Hey, everyone. Welcome to Locked on Lakers for Thursday. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky. Andy, has Rob Palenka redeemed himself, not just in the eyes of fans, but in your eyes as well? That's next. You are Locked on Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks to everyone for making Locked On Lakers first listen of every day, Monday through Friday, no matter how or where you get your podcasts, always free, never behind a paywall. Locked On Lakers on YouTube is where you can go hang out with over 20,000 subscribers to the show and uh, leave us questions. I got a bunch of them written down for, for shows today and tomorrow. Leave us comments. A lot of people talking about the show we did for Wednesday, uh, kind of comparing the, the James Harden saga to the Kobe Bryant uh, summer of Kobe, Andy, the 2007, of, the hot summer of Kobe. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll get into some of those comments, uh, you know, over, over the course of the next couple of shows, I think, uh, want to talk a little bit about Darvin Ham and some comments he made about the, uh, caliber of the roster uh, that we didn't get to for Wednesday's show. So while you were on vacation, Andy, I had our friend, uh, Harrison Fagan from silver screen and roll SB nation, uh, on the show, uh, great guest, great guy. Um, and one of the things we ended up talking about was kind of a, a, a place where I really wanted to get your thoughts too, because we ended up doing a, 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 spending a lot of time on Rob Polinka and, you know, kind of what has been a redemptive, I don't know, what is it? Eight months now, whatever it is since the trade deadline. And even a little I, before I, that, when you count bringing in Rui, right. I, I kind of put all that together, but yeah, like I, I consider Rui sort of an early deadline move. But um, one of the things is like the 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 reception from Lakers fans for um, uh, for for Rob has certainly changed. I think like he's he's people are a little more enthusiastic about it. But I know we have spent a lot of time breaking down his tenure, and I think it's a really interesting one. So I wanted to get your thoughts too on this this idea of whether or not. The last, you know, seven months, this Rui on stretch changes your perception of Palinka as a GM. Because remember, we're all talking about like free agency grades and where the Lakers are going to like this is all related to Rob. I would say potentially, if not definitively, like it's I think it's still a bit of an open book, um, still a bit of an open question, but things are if nothing else, coming to light in mm -hmm. ways that I think reflect w really well on Rob Palinka, like the last seven or eight months, however you want to put it, six months, I think have been the best work Rob Palinka's done since starting to run this organization. I, I and I'm including the off season where he put together an eventual championship team because I think there was a lot of stuff when it came to that 2020 team that either was self-evident, which is the trade for Anthony Davis. You know, that was not very complicated in terms of the GMing work. And I don't mean like Rob got taken by New Orleans or anything like that. I'm just saying it's it's not complicated when it comes to trading for a superstar of that caliber, especially when you gave up a lot. And Rob did give up a lot, and I have no problem with him giving up a lot because if you're bringing in Anthony Davis before he even enters his prime, 
that's going to cost you a lot. It should cost you a lot. So cool with it. Yeah, totally I mean, cool I, we, we both said for a long like trading for Anthony Davis was one of the easier things. That right. But even then, though, some of the other moves around, I don't even want to say the margins, but the supporting players, those came into place in certain ways that Rob either got lucky or they were cir circumstantial. Like, for instance, the original plan was not LeBron and AD plus a bunch of role players. It was get Kawhi Leonard, add him to LeBron and AD. And that obviously didn't end up happening, but they waited on it a long time. And had Danny Green not have just played with Kawhi in Toronto and Danny Green not been waiting on Kawhi's decision as the Lakers were waiting on Kawhi's decision, Danny Green would not have been available for the Lakers. And, and by the way, good on Rob Palinka for having his that move in his back pocket, but it doesn't change the fact that he got very specifically fortunate that that was even an option for him. Dwight Howard worked out really well, but that was not the original plan. The original plan was DeMarcus Cousins. DeMarcus gets hurt before the season began. Again, kudos to Rob for taking that chance on Dwight Howard, but it's not like Rob saw something initially in Dwight Howard that nobody else did from the beginning. You know, Kyle Kuzma was more or less in place or at least brought in for Rob. You know, he had been on the job for like two months when they drafted Kuzma. You know, bringing in KCP, that was a bridge to clutch. And everybody knew that at the time. The original one year, I think it was like 18 or $19 million deal. And the mana from heaven. Mana from heaven. And again, it worked out. Like it was fine. And, and KCP has gone on to prove not just with the Lakers, but with Denver, he's a really valuable player for a good team. But the point being, there was a lot that was sort of in place for Rob anyway, mm -hmm. or close to in place that worked out. These moves that he made post you know, Rui onward, and then this offseason, A, just digging themselves out of that Westbrook hole, I didn't think they could do it like this, much no. less giving up that little in the process. And then... The work that he did in the offseason, retaining the guys that mattered and bringing in Gabe Vincent, who I think is a good replacement for Dennis Schroeder, bringing in Torian Prince, who we think is an upgrade over both Malik Beasley and Troy Brown, who he's kind of simultaneously replacing. Um, Max Christie, I'm bullish on. And while you know the scouting, you know, the scouting department gets more credit than Palinka for finding Christie. It nonetheless happened on his watch. Sure. So he empowers those guys. It's part of exactly, his exactly. Yeah, so this this work right now, I think, has been the best Palinka's done, and he also gets credit for not going after the shiny thing the way you often expect the Lakers to do. It helped though that the shiny thing routes were exceptionally and rare, I, either Kyrie yeah. or not. I want to get. I want to make sure we talk about that because I think it's. I think that is a a part of this conversation that doesn't get talked about enough. And so you know, we'll save that for the next segment here. Um, but to kind of wrap up, you know, like your, your, your thoughts here, I, you know, I, because the, the, the final question I'm going to ask you in this, like, is Rob Blink a good general manager? And what, what I think is, is interesting too is, and the, the direction that I want to see, it's not so much like the big things. It's some of the small mistakes that compound 
um, you know, if you believe the reporting, and I do because we've heard it from some credible people, that there were some mistakes made in the Anthony Davis, the structuring of the Anthony Davis trade that cost yeah. the Lakers a little bit. You know, they they did the 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 second round thing where they shorted themselves a year to save cap space and all that. You know, uh, that ended up costing them or to accommodate the clutch client, that whatever was it is, generally attached to it, whatever it is, whether with THT or again with uh, uh, Austin Reeves, um, in ways that. You know, sure, yes, the Lakers are in fine shape with the Austin Reeves contract, um, but that is a matter to some degree of luck mm -hmm. um, that they didn't get burned by that and now have arguably, I think, if not the best contract in the NBA on their books for the next three years, um, one of the three or four in the in the league. There's a 99% chance that in Reeves's third year before he inevitably opts out in the fourth, that that will be the best contract in the NBA. Non-rookie, you know, extension type, like he, that Reeves deal will be so sweet. So those are the little things like when, as they go forward, do those mistakes stop? And there's one other thing about the Palenka stuff that I do think shows that he's kind of getting it a little bit more, um, than maybe earlier in his tenure. Um, so all of those questions that I mentioned before and that one next. Locked on Lakers is brought to you by FanDuel and football season is about to kick off. FanDuel is giving you a chance to win all season long because right now when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you can get bonus bets every time they win in the regular season. Just pick any team, any team to win the Super Bowl and you will get bonus bets for every victory, you can use your bonus bets on spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. If, for chance, for example, you bet on the Chiefs, they are 6-1 to one odds to repeat as the Super Bowl again. Expectation, there's going to be a lot of wins for KC. You can get your bonus bets there. Chargers, 21-1 to one to win the Super Bowl. I think that's actually pretty, pretty nice potential payout there. And in either way, I expect the Chargers to get some wins. And you can go down the line with a whole bunch of all the other teams. You want to bet the Raiders because you happen to be a fan, 75 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. Don't see that one paying off. But either way, visit FanDuel.com slash locked on. Start earning bonus bets with America's number one sports book. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. So one of the things that, that Harris and I really were, were, were laughing about, and it's, it's disappointing. It's good for Rob Palenka. It's good for the Lakers. It's disappointing for us because it's phenomenal content. You're not getting the homilies that, that, that Palenka used to put out anymore. You're Pretend getting, I don't know what homily means. You're not getting the long stories about okay. the people on the trolley cars. And you're not getting the readings from great philosophical works and he's not appearing on podiums anymore uh with with other great works of literature and all these he's not doing that i mean look pablo neruda is no longer his assistant gm <laughs> for example and all of this stuff is you know he's he's very clearly pleased with the work that he's done you hear the interviews like yeah he's he's you know crowing a little bit they're feeling, ought feeling to be good about himself I, I don't blame him you know like they've had a nice little run here and he's a guy who got you know bleeped on a lot you know with cause but a lot and now you know look he managed to keep his job which only would have happened with the lakers by the way but you know what he's still here and he fixed the problem um but he fixed it and he's rebounded and he's not reverted back to 
some of the more eye-rolling tendencies that he used to have. How much that stuff matters, I don't know. It's hard to say exactly how much it turns off agents, how much those relationships ultimately, if the Lakers can offer somebody a great opportunity, like are they going to turn it down because they find Rob Palenka to be a little pretentious? Probably not. Like, But I, I also think it sort of, it indicates a little bit of humility that might not have been there early. So I, I feel like there is a, a sort of a growth there. You would expect certain mistakes, like, you know, the Anthony Davis stuff happened relatively early in his tenure. Um, you know, and he wasn't a guy who worked in a front office for 10 years before. But I think little stuff like that, Andy, indicates to me that sort of the tone change, the lack of the pomp and circumstance that comes with everything that Rob Polink used to do, while I miss it because it was phenomenal content. It and was really I, funny. It, I loved it. I loved everything about it. Endlessly entertaining. But um, it wasn't it, helpful. No, 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 no. <laughs> it was actually very detrimental to Rob Palenka, um, if not beneficial for us. It's funny, though. I don't necessarily see it so much as a sign of humility. I mean, it could be. But I'm saying I, I, that's not my read on it. My read on it is it's him not trying as hard to impress. Like, it's him actually putting on fewer airs and working less hard to just impress everybody that he's the smartest person in the room. So you see just, it as you see it as covering insecurity rather than tempering hypersecurity. It before it felt like doing a lot of song and dance to present yourself. It, it just did. It, it felt like a lot. It felt like the vocabulary version of jazz hands. Jazz hands. That was exactly what I was thinking. And look, again, maybe maybe Palinka's $10, $15 words, you know, that was a sign of lacking humility. And now that he's gone down to just the normal words that people like me understand, um, it's more <laughs> humility on display. But I actually think it's more allowing the work to speak for itself as opposed yeah. to trying to impress everybody that you're a genius and just being satisfied with the idea of if they think I'm smart, great. If they don't, whatever, either way, jobs getting done. Well, it's again, I'm not sure either one of us is right. I think we may be, but I, 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 I'm, your, your take there is, is not, I had not thought of it that way. And you could absolutely be right. I'm saying, just, I feel like there's a little bit of that. You know what? These other these other people are also really good at their gigs. Um, and, you know, I, I, the way I do stuff, you know, it, it is okay to maybe step back, be a little bit more in the backseat and, and blend with the, almost like a sign of, you know, showing a little bit of respect to my colleagues in this oh, business. Look, before, oh, you're right. While, you, you, you could be, you could be right. And I could be, look, there was also a period where he was competing with magic for, I don't even want to say control because magic was his boss ultimately. And everyone knew that, but maybe for control <laughs> or like just sort of respect right. uh, for some type of stature or whatever. But he's, I will say this, you know, the, that question before of do I, how do I feel about Rob Palenka's general manager? I think there is still something of an open question, but I feel better about him now than I did this time last year. And it should be noted, you know, I, I talked about this, I, know, I think maybe last February or March, that 
once the dust settled on the on the season as it was going, even with all the Lakers' struggle, I did come to realize that probably about half of Palinka's veteran minimum picks worked out. They actually hit about 50%, and that's about as good as you're going to do for veterans' minimums. And while if they did not make a serious offer for Bruce Brown, that was a massive mistake, mm-hmm. the truth is, and it's Bruce Brown, the way he talked about it, it sounds like they did not make they a serious didn't. offer for him. Right. Lonnie Walker was about as good as anybody who wasn't Bruce Brown for a veteran's minimum. Like, you know, he was fine. At times, Lonnie played really well. At times, he was out of the rotation. Either way, he was... Well, Lonnie didn't get the veteran's minimum. He got the... I'm sorry, mid-level. Excuse me. I I meant the mid-level. I'm sorry. Um, Right, but your point still stands. Right. I mean, Bruce Brown would have been the correct call, but if you weren't going to make that one, Lonnie Walker was as good as anybody you could have chosen. And yeah, you know, that, that makes it like at least a B minus as opposed to at the time, I thought it was closer to like a C minus or a D. I, I want to, I want to kind of explore that, that basic question. Is he a good GM? We'll finish, we'll finish the show with that, you know, and get into a little bit more. My, I will say this. I've seen a lot of people who are sort of more on the anti Palenka side at this point. I agree with you. I think there's some open, you know, I mean, you know, come a long way, but like how much credit do you get for fixing a mess that you created? Like you broke it. So like, okay, great. You fixed it, but you're the one who broke it. It's not like you came in and undid damage that somebody, but I don't think that's fair because you, once you, you know, the, the, the Westbrook thing was a disaster. It was a bad idea. And it was a, it was a bad idea that almost anybody could see coming. Um, where like maybe there was a sliver of possibility uh, on that you know bell curve where this works out okay, but almost everything else is no, it's not going to work out. Um, and it was a terrible idea, and it left them having to do minimum contracts and all these other things that put them in a terrible spot. But once that's done, you you can't grade subsequent moves based on yeah, but you've bleeped that thing up the question is can you fix it and you said something at the beginning it's not that just that they the lakers managed to fix it and rob palinkovich it's that he fixed it kind of at once he fixed it in basically one set and series of moves with as opposed to needing a deadline and an offseason and and also he he fixed it working with damn near nothing of value i mean like Through a few second round picks, uh, one first, and like Kendrick Nunn, Juan Toscano Anderson, Patrick Beverly, right. Damian Jones. Like these are not players who move the needle. And he managed right. and to do the, it. You know, the Pat Bev stuff, like you know, some of the trades, you know, Obama didn't work out. Like when you start to go through everything, you know, but overall, the thing got fixed and it got fixed quickly and at once in a way that allowed the Lakers to immediately. Not like have a blueprint, like, okay, now in the offseason they can go get some work done. It's like, no, let's go to the Western Conference Finals now. And um, as I've said, like, I don't necessarily think the Lakers got substantively better this offseason. Like, I've seen people say that, you know, I, I don't think Gabe Vincent is that big of an upgrade. I don't think some of the stuff that they've He's done. He's not a downgrade, is- though. That's what that matters. That's the point for me. Is it? It was. It was going to be really hard for the Lakers to get 
substantively better this offseason. Like really, like you go, whoop, they really closed the gap with Denver, but it would have been really easy for them to get worse, and they didn't. And so to basically, I think it marginally better because of the Torrey and Prince thing and how it balances the lineup. Um, That counts for something. So the final question, is he a good GM? Talk about that next. Do want to remind people that today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Uh, before we do that, I do want to spend a couple minutes here, Andy, um, just because he he came up briefly, I think on Wednesday's show. We were talking about this a little bit. It might have been earlier in the week. Uh, but Stephen A. Smith was on Paul George's podcast. Um, and say what you want about Paul George. He has a really good podcast. It's a terrific podcast. podcast. It's really good. Um and so Stephen A was on, and he, and and they had a long conversation. Stephen A, him. by the way, is everywhere these days. He really is. Like that's a, that's know, a whole other show uh, well, talking I, about that. But I, at one point, he was promoting a book. I'm not even sure if he's promoting anything anymore. It's just he's just visible, Out man. There. He's everywhere. But um, he they did a really long extended segment. You can see bits and pieces of it all over social media um, about media coverage of athletes and players and what's happening. It's a, it is very interesting. Um, and Stephen A was very blunt. So was Paul George and it was, it was good stuff. But one of the things that Paul George asked Stephen A was like, is there something you sort of said, things that you've said that you want to take back, something you want to take back. And what Stephen A said was the Kwame Brown thing. And I think most people know what that is. It's still a meme. It's still a basketball reference. You know, Kwame Brown, like the, and the rants. This was after the Lakers traded for Pau Gasol. And, you know, it was, you know, did the, the, the Memphis get back anything? And he went on a thing that just tore Kwame Brown. I, I've got shreds. some, I've got some of it right now. Um, nope. Most importantly, Kwame Brown is gone. The City of Angels, Hollywood should just be celebrating. Throw a parade already. Whether you win a champion or not, championship or not, this man is a bona fide scrub. He can't play. No disrespect whatsoever. <laughs> We're past that. But I'm sorry they can't tell everybody the truth. The man cannot play the game of basketball. Um, and it's just, I mean, but like, you know, but it was the tone. It's Kwame right. Brown over and over again. Like, oh, yeah. Still. 15 years later, 16, I can't do the math, but like it is still a long time later, a reference that everyone gets. And it is a 15. It's basically the anniversary at this point. So I did do the math right the first time, but like, you know, like Kwame Brown is a, is a stand in for anybody else. Like, you know, Anthony Bennett, you know, all these, like just the way, the way you said it. And he, he, said that was something that he wanted to take back. He's almost created a meme out of Kwame Brown. I found that fascinating because, A, he's correct. Like, it was a lot. Uh, It was representative of that sort of that time in hot sports takery. Um, But it just torched the guy in ways that went beyond he's not a very good basketball player, he's a disappointment, whatever, that were deeply personal um it was brutal and as you know we got to know Kwame a little bit when he was in LA I have never been more wrong about my perception of a guy from what I thought they were when they before they got to LA based on media reports to the person I actually the human being I got I or tight but I got you know I met him we talked we had we had conversations I was 
floored at how different that guy was than the person I was expecting. Yeah, I mean, the way media reports had portrayed Kwame during his time in Washington, you would have expected a very petulant guy who is not particularly smart. Um, again, the way he was portrayed, extremely immature. And once we got to know him more in L.A., the thing that jumped out at me is he's a really bright guy. Mm -hmm. He's a really bright, often kind of soft-spoken. You know, he's actually found his voice and then some since retiring from basketball. Oh, yeah. Um, and that, I mean, that in and of itself is interesting to watch uh, at whether you agree with what he, some of the things he says or whether you find him repellent. Either way, it's really interesting to watch as somebody who covered Kwame. Um, and he was somebody that also, you could tell, had been broken by this period in Washington. And I bring that up because Stephen A's rant, which you know he, he said he, he really did not think through the ramifications of mm -hmm. this. Like And in certain ways, to be fair to Stephen A, he had no idea what media would turn into 15 years sure. later. Sure. Social media didn't exist. But he also, it was on him, and I think you know Stephen A would be the first to say, it was on him to think through what he was saying more. Do I need to go this hard? Do I need to go this hard this many different ways? Whatever. He pointed out how this hurt Kwame. Like it hurt him. It hurt him professionally. It hurt him personally. And, you know, I, me I remember one time talking with Kwame about, you know, trying to move on in your career. And he, he had said that, you know, ultimately you have to move past the idea that you were the number one overall pick and that you were Michael Jordan's number one overall pick. And like all the, st all the stuff that came to at the time with guys jumping straight to the NBA from high school was still pretty controversial. There, there was a lot of different layers to that, you know, racially, culturally, like there was a lot going on in a lot of the coverage and even mm -hmm. criticism of it. And Kwame, in a lot of ways, was the poster boy for everything wrong about it. And truth be told, Kwame was not worthy of the number one overall pick by any measure. No. But there were a lot of players who had way worse careers than Kwame. Kwame played in the league for over a decade. He made like $75 million. The idea that he did it wrong, hell no. Like if he had stayed in college one or two years, who knows if he even gets drafted? Or certainly if he gets drafted first overall, first round, right. whatever. It worked out for Kwame. And you lose the humanity of the person too in the process because both of us you know, yeah, he was not ready for that spotlight. He certainly was not ready to be Kobe Bryant's teammate. And by the time he was traded, he needed to get out of L.A. Oh, yeah. But the human being didn't – the human being didn't deserve to get beat up the way that he did. It, he just didn't. It's one of the – he's one of the guys that – I mean, I don't know a lot. I mean, I try really hard not to root against people. Um, there are a couple guys that we've worked on around in sports that I just find kind of repellent as humans. And, you know, those are hard people to root for, but like, I, I try to, I really try to give people cause they are people the benefit of the doubt here. And he's one of the reasons, but I'll say this, like it extends to like, you know, I, the, that lady who was on the airplane, 
who is not a public figure, but she's become like, you know, a meme now. The, the, the that guy is not real woman. Mm-hmm. That kind of stuff, like, I'm not going to sit here and lie and say I haven't laughed at some of the memes or this or that, because some of them are just sometimes funny Trump's mean. But I have reached a point where I am extremely uncomfortable with stuff like that, a moment in which a woman is clearly having something that is misfiring. I think she said it was like a, I, I forget exactly what it was. It doesn't even matter, but like it's not a public figure. And she had a moment of, you know, nobody would want on the internet. And I, that kind of stuff like makes, is it, 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 it is sort of an extension of the, like, it was it was good. I, I I really appreciated as somebody who works in media um, that Stephen A. looks could look back on that and say that was not just wrong but deeply unfair and hurtful um, because it is important that whether it's us to whatever degree our voice like is matters is but somebody as influential as Stephen A. to say. That is not necessary. That is wrong, and that crosses a line. I just thought it was that was worth mentioning in part because you know, again, Kwame, for as much as he wasn't that good and he couldn't catch stuff, was one hundred and eighty degrees different than the person that I was promised when he, when he was traded for. And um, people deserve to know that, mm-hmm. if nothing else. Um, do we have time for you to answer whether or not Rob Blink is a good GM? Um. Like I said before, I need to see more evidence, but the evidence is starting to grow in his favor. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this, I think right now is a very well-constructed roster. You know, is it perfect? No, but you're not going to find a perfect roster anywhere in the NBA. There's no such thing. Um, but I am moving more in the direction of thinking Rob could be good at his job. You know, it, I, I was figured to, out how to be good at it. He might not right. have been good at it before, well, but has been, but now has the time and the space to become good at it. Here's the: if I had to point at one thing beyond just what we talked about the last six to eight months, however you want to frame it, I think it's been very good for Rob. Beyond just building a good roster, one of my big criticism criticisms of Rob was that I didn't think he was a details person. And that he wasn't somebody that I think paid attention to much beyond the big picture and the big picture usually being the stars. We referenced some of those things before. Right. This roster, the way it's put together now, gives me some hope that Rob is becoming more of a details person. And if he becomes more of a details person, then he could be somebody who's very good at this job because Rob knows basketball. He played at a high level in college. He played for Michigan. You have to be good to play for that team. Mm-hmm. And for all of you know Rob's highfalutin vocabulary shenanigans, he's clearly a bright guy. Yeah, Rob, and is he's been around star. great players. I mean, he's right. This, right. So that gives that gives me that specific part of it beyond just the players assembled themselves. That gives me some uh, positive. Some positive thoughts moving forward. What I what I'm looking forward to is like if you want to kind of divide it up into different eras. This is the first time he's got a roster that you would consider to be sort of normal. Like the one he showed up with was the one like okay, this is the one we're going to parlay into stars. They got their stars. 
um, they had a chance to kind of build something like, and we talked about this before um, the Westbrook thing, like they had a chance to kind of build it into something close to what it resembles now, but they did the 180. They went with the Westbrook thing, which put them in a different kind of the super top yeah. heavy could have been buddy healed, right? Super top heavy. And now it's like a normal balanced roster where they're going to need at some point to go out and get another star in Lakers fashion, but they they'll have the flexibility to do that. They've got some long-term deals. They've got some short-term deals. And so I think this going forward, we will see, like, okay, what kind of skills does he have? And like I said, feel more confident uh, before now. It is never an easy job. Nobody's ever perfectly good at it. Daryl Morey was for a long time sort of a, a uh, golden child around the, the league. And he's having his struggles. Um, Sam Presti even, you know, is, is not immune because like nobody is perfect here in this business. Um, I mean, but everyone considers Golden State like the best, other than maybe Miami, the best run organization. You know, James Wiseman was clearly a mistake, and right, they've, they've had some they've had yeah. some misfires. Right. And it's not really hard to stay good. Like it's hard to keep to never really start over and keep these things running. For but anyway, um, still plenty to get to before we close out the week. Uh, you can see the Darvin Ham stuff, the in-season tourney stuff. We didn't get to. Uh, we'll do that for Friday. Locked on Lakers on YouTube is where you can go hang out, and see the show, hang out with over twenty thousand subscribers. Uh, we'll get you ready for the weekend uh, with more Lakers talk tomorrow. Thanks for stopping by.